It is Jesus who makes this a glorious day, and He too is the reason for the season. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us today. It is wise to think about the Lord Jesus becoming human to be able to be our Savior from sin. Let us do just that. Let us consider Jesus' incarnation. And now, with His message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. The incarnation was a self-emptying of the very God, the Son of God, the very God becoming the very God-man. Through cooperation with God the Father's plan, through self-humiliation, the giving up of some of the use of his divine attributes, that's why he didn't know the timing of his second coming, He gave up the use of that part of his omniscience while on earth. He retained it all the time as God, but he gave up the use of it. Could have vaporized the guys that nailed him to the cross by the word of his mouth. He's going to do that in Revelation 19 when his opponents come after him at Armageddon. He's going to vaporize them by the word of his mouth. He could have done that at the cross, but he gave up the use of that, right? John 1 verse 14 is another window into the incarnation. And it says... And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word is Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. The Word is the inscripturated truth of God is found in the Old and the New Testaments, inspired by the Holy Spirit, infallible, dependable, inerrant in the original autographs. So the word is the scriptures, and they center in the word of God, the son of God, both the Old and the New Testament scriptures, the word centers in the person and the work of the word, Jesus Christ. And at Christmas, the word, Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, at Christmas, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Greek here that is translated and dwelt among us literally means and pitched his tent. Think of it. The Son of God, without a beginning, without an ending, perfectly uh, in harmony with the Godhead for eternity, steps across the stars, the galaxies, the planetary bodies that he created by the word of his mouth, and he pitched a tent, his body, he pitched a tent in our campsite. He drank our campsite water. He witnessed our campsite inhumanities to each other. He experienced campfire hungriness. Jesus Christ pitched his tent in our campsite so he could die for us, so he could be raised after death for us, so we could understand none of us could ever say to Jesus in prayer, oh, you don't understand. Jesus, I tell you about my marriage, but you don't understand. I tell you about my sickness, Jesus, but I don't think you'd understand. I talk to you about my money problems, Jesus, but I don't think you'd understand. I mean, Jesus pitched his tent in our campsite, and look what happened, among other things, when he did so, when he condescended, when he came to our campsite and pitched a tent that was subject to death. Look what happened. We beheld his glory. 
we could see that's what God is like. That's how God talks. That's how God thinks. That's what God values. That's what God rejects. That's what God warns about. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of John, Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've grieved me, you've grieved the Father. You've pleased me, you've pleased the Father. You serve me, you serve the Father. He pitched his tent in our campsite so that we could see his glory and not be consumed by it, vaporized by the glory of God. He took on human flesh while retaining his divine essence, and he came to love us, to teach us, to heal us, to warn us, to die for us, to rise from the dead for us, teach us how to pray. You know, though, in a country like our great country, where Jesus Christ is so widely known, from the littlest little Bahamian to the most elderly Bahamians, I would venture to say we'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who doesn't know something about Jesus in our country, and that's good. But here's the danger. January 1st, somewhere around there, those of us who put up an artificial Christmas tree, we'll tear it apart and we'll put it in a box. Those of us who put up Christmas lights around January 1st or thereafter, we'll take all those Christmas lights down and we'll put them in a box and we'll just store them. There's the lights. There's the Christmas tree. There are the decorations. Good. Christmas. Some people do that with Jesus in Bahamalan. Okay, I'll go with you to church. Dear Christmas. Yeah, okay, I'll go to the New Year's Eve service. I'm a little superstitious if I'm not in church when the years turn over. It could not be a good year for me. There you go, Jesus. Don't get, we won't get fanatical about you, Jesus. We'll just put you here with the Christmas tree. Jesus won't stand for that. He's Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. And one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The only question is, will you bow to him as Lord as your judge, or will you bow to him as Lord as your Savior? God help us if we have an attitude, or we have loved ones who have an attitude that, let's just put Christmas away, including Jesus. Chuck Swindoll has it, while Rome was busy making history, God arrived. He pitched his fleshly tent on straw in a stable under a star, and the world didn't even notice. Reeling from the wake of Alexander the Great and Herod the Great, the world overlooked Mary's little lamb. And it's easy to do today, to overlook Mary's little lamb. The first blessing I'd like to identify is that the incarnation ushered in divine love, so that we could understand it. That is not to say that divine love was not outpoured on Israel in the Old Testament, even on some of Israel's repentant nations that came to faith in Israel's God. Divine love is through Genesis to Exodus in the whole Bible. But what I am saying is that when Christ became flesh at the incarnation, we got a better understanding of divine love. A divine love that came to us, a divine love that taught us, a divine love that healed us, a divine love that warned us, a divine love that obeyed the law for us, a divine love that died on the cross for us, a divine love was shown to rebels like me, who the default position of our hearts before knowing God was a default position of no, make me 
make me divine love burst into our campsite. May we never be the same because it has. The second blessing of the incarnation that I like to show you at least, the second blessing of the incarnation is that it ushered in the Old Testament prophecies fulfillment about Messiah. There's a lot of prophetic truth in the Old Testament about Messiah, his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, so forth. Dr. Charles Ryrie points out the following. Now, you that like mathematics are going to like this. By the law of chance or randomness, it would require 200 billion, with a B, Earths, populated with 4 billion persons each Earth, to come up with one person who could achieve only 100 accurate prophecies without any errors in their sequence. By chance, left to random happening, it would take 200 billion planet Earths, each one populated with 4 billion persons, to come up with only one person who could achieve 100 percent accuracy of a hundred prophecies about Jesus without any error in the sequence of the happening. Do you know what? There aren't just a hundred prophecies about Jesus Christ. There are over 300. And the virgin birth, the incarnation, is a important piece of that prophetic pie that finds full, accurate fulfillment showing the veracity of the Bible and showing the authenticity of the God-man Jesus Christ as Messiah. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I serve as a youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to just close out our year as we look forward to 2020 and look back at 2019. And as we know, in our country, 2019 was a very hard year. As we consider uh, Dorian coming into our northern islands in Abaco and Grand Bahama, and this has just been a life change for them. And, and as a whole country, we've been under this life change because wherever you are, you've been affected. And as we think of 2019, we think of, you know, just the whole Hurricane Dorian and just other things. You know, we have to remember that people have been through tough times. You know, people have been through different things where things have come into their life that they didn't expect. But I want to just look at a verse this morning and, and a couple other verses. But I want us to look at one in, in Job chapter 1. And this is what Job, after God had said, you, Satan, you can test Job, you can do whatever, but just don't kill him. And after things have been taken away and people have been killed, Job says in, in verses 1 to 21, it says, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a what a powerful statement in, in the time of tr- trouble that Job is going through, what he's experiencing. And I think that as we look at 2019 and we think of whatever it is we've gone through, we have to remember that the Lord has brought us through it. We can understand that He is there with us. We We hear it so many times, but how many of us really believe it, that God is in control. The things that are coming to our lives are, are not by a mistake, but it's part of His plan. 
Does it make it easy? No, it doesn't. But when we know that God is with us and he is walking us through and he's right there beside us, it helps us. And that's why I said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. You see, so many times in our lives when the Lord is given and things are going well, we think, oh, well, you know, this is what life is supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be happy all the time. And I said, and the Lord takes away. You see, there are times where people, as, as, as we think of 2019, you may have lost your mother, your father. You may have lost someone in your family. And as we know, as the, the death toll goes up in Hurricane Dorian, people have lost family members. People have been lost in, in, because of cancer and other illnesses. But let us remember, as Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name, whether we're going through the desert place. Blessed be the, his name when we go and it's plentiful. We have to remember that he is the same God on that mountaintop, the same God in that valley. And so when we think of 2019, we can say, you know, we can't change anything that's happened. But now we look forward to 2020. And as we think of 2020, we must look at our lives and ask ourselves, what is it that I can do this this year? And the reality is that we don't have control over the next year. We can't say what's going to happen. But one thing we do have control of is, as we think of it, is that we need to ask ourselves, what is our relationship with the Lord? Can we honestly say that we're walking close with the Lord? Can we honestly say that we're doing all that we can for the Lord? And that's what brings us, as we think of a verse that we, we talk about so many times, that we think of looking ahead and understanding that when we look ahead, that God is there as well. And, and we look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, and says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Again, as we think of what we looked at in Job, blessed be your name, here it is. Jesus, we have taken hold of what he has. Brother says, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. You see, as we look at 2019, we can't change it. Things already have happened. But now we look forward to 2020, and, and I hope that as we look forward to 2020, we would say this is a year that we want to do our best for God. We want to do what we can to, to help the kingdom of God grow, help us to walk closer to Him. You know, as, as a young person listening to this broadcast, you may have made mistakes in school, and now you need to, to turn that around and you need to say, I need to do better this upcoming year. You see, that's one good thing about a new year, is that we can as we like to say, turn the page. And we turn the page on 2019, and now we turn the page into 2020. And we want to ask ourselves, what can we do? What are we doing differently? And that's what it says here. And this is what he says in Philippians 3.14, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God, heavenly call in Christ Jesus. You see, the, the prize is Christ. The prize is Him. And whether, you know, you may have made mistakes in 2019, remember this. He is a forgiven God. He's a God that we can turn to no matter what. And He is with us all the time. He promises in His word He'll never leave us or forsake us. And whatever that trial that you're going through, whatever it is that 2019 and now going to 2020, why don't you give it to Him? Give it over to Him and say, God, I want to give this over to you. And I want to be like Job. I want to say, whatever it is you do, God, blessed be your name. Because when we consider that, 
and we relive our lives that way, it changes our perspective on life. It changes our perspective on the things that come into our lives. You know, for me in my own personal life, for me as I think of the sovereignty of God and when that truth and even as I still, you know, that truth is still hard to grasp and at times. But when we look at the sovereignty of God and we recognize that He is in control, we recognize that we have a, a God who is over whatever is going on around us. And it makes it a little bit easier because we realize that, hey, I can't control this. I have someone who's greater than me who's controlling the things around me. And he has a purpose for it because everything in his in this life is to bring honor and glory to him. Not for me, but to bring honor and glory to him. And I think that when we come to that truth and we realize that he is sovereign, he is in control, it will help us as we come into 2020 It would help us to say, the Lord give, the Lord take away. Blessed be your name. And I hope that as you look forward to this brand new year, that you would remember that whatever it is, that we have a God that is fighting for us and he is there with us. And like I said previously, he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. So I would challenge you as you think of 2020 to walk with him. Help him. Don't make these New Year's resolutions that you know you can't keep. But there's one thing that you can do. You can say, I want to spend more time with God, and I can make a, an effort to do that. Because that is the only way we're going to stay close to God, when we're in His Word, and when we're doing things for Him. So again, I challenge you. Please, as I challenge myself, that in the good times and the bad times, I would say, Blessed be your name. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. A Christmas devotional for you entitled, Yes, Lord, by Dr. Joy Baker, adjunct professor of Christian education at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Nine months before our Savior's birth, an angel appeared to a young Jewish girl, Mary, whom Scripture describes as a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. Prior to that angelic visit, Mary must have felt great excitement as she anticipated her marriage. But suddenly her dreams came crashing down around her as the angel declares that she has found favor with God and is chosen to be the mother of the promised Messiah, Jesus. Mary knows immediately that this news, though wonderful in many ways, will also bring her great humiliation and suffering, as people will criticize and judge her for being pregnant and unmarried. What will she do as the angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come on her and the baby Jesus will be conceived in her womb? Will her fear cause her to reject God's plan? Or will her faith lead her to accept God's will? Will she be unwilling to face the rejection of many or courageously trust God as she embraces an unknown and difficult future? Mary presses through her fear grabs hold of faith and quietly says, Yes, Lord. 
She evidences that her commitment to God is central to her life, for she describes herself as the Lord's bond slave. God asks each of us the same question. Will you trust your life to me, no matter the cost? Will you trust your life to me, no matter the cost? At this Christmas season, as a new year lies ahead, are you willing to say, yes, Lord? No matter what other people may say or do, are you willing to accept his plan, even if it includes hardship and sacrifice? Is Christ truly at the center of your life? What answer will you give as God offers you an uncertain and or a challenging future? God invites you, like Mary, to be part of his great plan. We pray together. Lord, we know that fear and faith do not coexist at the same time. And we would confess the sin of fear where we have been fearful, accept your forgiveness to go forward in faith, to be people who would say to you, yes, Lord, please make us to be yes, Lord, people, followers of Jesus who say, yes, Lord, for we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. In 1 Corinthians 7.15, we read the following. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. And the question is, is Paul suggesting that a person who is deserted by his unbelieving spouse has the right to remarry? Here's the answer. Many interpreters of verse 15 have understood Paul to be modifying the teaching of Jesus by allowing divorce and remarriage in cases of desertion. After calling for Christians to live with their unbelieving partners, Paul writes, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases, end of quote. It is argued that the words not under bondage granted permission to divorce the unbeliever and remarry. But would Paul permit in verse 15 what he forbids in verses 10 to 13? Under the command of Jesus, remarriage after divorce is not allowed. That's in verses 10 and 11. In verses 12 to 16, Paul had been arguing his case for the permanence of marriage. In verses 12 and 13, he clearly prohibits the believer from separating from the unbelieving spouse. Verse 14 provides a reason for maintaining the union. 
Through the continuation of the relationship, the unbelieving spouse and children are sanctified, set apart, to receive a gospel witness, which would be unlikely in the case of a divorce. Now in verse 15, Paul responds to the practical question, does the biblical teaching require me to preserve the marriage at the cost of becoming a slave to a deserting, unbelieving spouse? Paul's answer is no. If the unbeliever insists on leaving the relationship, the believer is not under bondage. The word translated under bondage, dulu, literally means to be a slave. The abandoned spouse need not act like a slave, following the deserting spouse all over the empire trying to preserve the union. Instead, the abandoned spouse may find peace in this difficult situation. Nothing in verse 15 suggests the possibility of a new marriage for the abandoned spouse. So, to argue for remarriage based on this verse is to read something into the text that is neither stated nor implied. From all of us here at Echoes of Calvary, we would like to wish you a happy and blessed new year. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.